If you wanted to get away, the Antarctic on the South Pole is probably the furthest you can go. It's a place unusually owned by several nations, including Britain. And if ever you thought like me that one of the coldest places on Earth was the bedroom, first thing in the morning, you'd think again if ever you went to Antarctica. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105. In this section called Scientists at Work, we talk to people who, for some reason or another, find themselves working, researching or thinking about science in Cambridge, England. Dr Alistair Graham is one of hundreds of scientists who have been there enduring this cold voluntarily in the interest of science. Roger visited him last week. I'm here at the British Antarctic Survey and I was expecting a tent with a load of people wearing beanie hats, but it's a great big building just on the edge of Cambridge. Alistair, tell us what you do here. This is, as you say, the British Antarctic Survey's main headquarters. We do have actually five bases in Antarctica and two ships as well, so we don't all work here. We have other people down south doing their science jobs, but here we're a mix of scientists and logistics leading Antarctic science and supporting Antarctic affairs for the nation. And is there a summary of what the mission of the Antarctic Survey is? The Antarctic Survey is really here to lead UK science on on all fronts, so biology, chemistry, physics, geology and glaciology, so the the study of of the ice in Antarctica itself. And you did some study. What was that study and what did we find out? We've been involved over the past few years in a a study looking at hydrothermal vents. Uh, These are are seafloor vents in the Antarctic, in the deep southern ocean. The story begins probably a decade ago when we first had some expeditions on ships to the Southern Ocean. We used sensors in the ocean to look for if there were any signs of uh, almost like a smoking gun, so the the plumes that would would be coming off these smoking vents at the seafloor. And our initial results then were that somewhere in the Southern Ocean there were these hot vents emitting all these gases. So over the past few years we've returned to these sites and we've tried to hone down to find these vents exactly and to study them in, in detail. So our first ship cruise, so we, we call them a cruise, really they're nothing like a, a cruise as you and I would see it. It's a science expedition. We mapped the seafloor. We used sonars for the underside of our ship. Sonars use pulses of sound which are emitted and reflect back off the seafloor. Mm-hmm. And we can produce very detailed maps of the seabed. And from these initial maps, we could start to hone in on where sites of these vents might be. We then returned again with a quite sophisticated piece of kit called a remote operated vehicle, which is almost like an underwater robot. It has high definition cameras on it. Um, it has arms so you can pick things up off the seafloor. And we, we returned to these sites and we sent this vehicle down so we could hunt out these vents and find where they are. What we found were these really impressive Smoking vents, they emit sulphur-rich fluids from the seafloor, mm-hmm. which are superheated to the, uh, around 380 degrees centigrade. This is in the middle of a really cold ocean, so that uh, everywhere else is fairly lifeless. The temperatures at the bottom there hover around zero degrees. Right next to these vents, you've got really warm water coming out, which is rich in nutrients, and these are almost oases of life. So around these these chimneys and these smoking vents, we've, we found a whole new basically, world of animals um, that had never been seen before. 
So tell us about some of the species that you found. Well, the species in the Atlantic and in the Pacific have some distinctive animals. So shrimp live around these, these vents and also tube worms, these long worms that look like long cucumbers. In the Antarctic, we found neither of these animals. So it's almost an interesting what we didn't find is what we did. So we found a new type of animal called a yeti crab, which is a cream-coloured white crab. It has a really hairy chest, and it's been nicknamed the, the Hoff crab after David Hasshoff. <laughs> it was originally called the yeti crab because the first species had very hairy arms and claws, so it obviously looks quite like a yeti. We also found new species of sea stars, like a starfish, and even a new species of octopus, a very, very pale uh, octopus. Excellent. I look forward to seeing that in uh, my fish shop. (laughs) Hopefully not. (laughs) And presumably, now they've got the temperature to live, is there something different about their metabolism? Very different, yes. I mean, that's one of the key things. Because they live in two kilometres of water, there's no sunlight getting to them at all. They live in pitch blackness down there. What these animals do very cleverly is take the chemical-rich waters that are coming out of these vents and they have bacteria uh, associated with these animals. Some of them live in their gut. The crabs have very long hairs on their underbelly covered in these bacteria which harness the chemicals that are coming out of the water and they use this for their energy. That's their source of nutrient. So these animals are intimately associated with these vents. They need these vents to, to survive. Excellent. You mentioned something about the, the chemistry. The waters that are coming out of, of these vents are rich in sulfidic material, and when these fluids meet the ocean, all those uh, minerals precipitate out straight into the uh, ocean water, and that's actually why you get the, the thick columns of black smoke, which we call these some of these chimneys that are very hot black smokers. Mm-hmm. So the, the sulphides seem to be the, the main chemical that some of these things are living off. Okay. On these hydrothermal vents, are we talking volcano underneath the ground? Yes, the area that we investigated is called the East Scotia Ridge. Okay. So if, if you can imagine an area of the seafloor which is spreading apart, it's almost like, I don't know if your listeners would be familiar with plate tectonics, but essentially something similar to the mid-ocean ridge where you have the Earth's lithosphere is being stretched and pulled apart. And where that, that stretching occurs, you have molten magma, which is down in, in the mantle, that's upwelling. And along the point where this magma upwells, you get a volcanic ridge forming. So these vents actually occur in an area which is volcanic. The rocks at the seafloor are all hardened lavas, things that you'd see say if you went to Hawaii today, big sort of pillows of lava. The vents are actually there because ocean water gets trapped inside the crust and it's superheated by this this upwelling effect and is then fed back out through these vents as sort of superheated hot water. So none of this was in geography books when we was at school? Indeed not. You wouldn't have read about black smokers or hydrothermal vents at all. And since the Galapagos discovery, people have found these vents in the Pacific Ocean in the Atlantic and in the Arctic as well. So we, we know there are vents dotted all around the planet and they actually form a kind of a network of vents with some similarities but also, as we're finding in the Antarctic, differences as well. So where does this research take us? Now we are just bringing back some of these animals. We've just started to get them into the lab. The biologists 
I'll begin to look at them, their genetic structure. Where that takes us then is to look at how these animals relate to other parts of the planet. So animals in the Atlantic, animals in the Pacific, in similar environments. We're already getting a hint that the animals in the Antarctic are very different to these other places. And that suggests that there's still something we don't know about how animals migrate around the world's oceans. From there, we need to look at what these animals mean for the start of life on the planet. Are these the ancestors of everything that's, that lives on Earth? There's open questions there that we still need to answer. There are also some sites that we visited that we would love to go back to, some very magical environments full of a life that I'm sure we still haven't fully explored yet. So hopefully in the future we'll be able to revisit these areas and study them and find new species, even more about Antarctic's waters. And the Antarctic Treaty. The Antarctic Treaty is a, a long-standing agreement between a number of nations that Antarctica should be an environment where we just study and we don't exploit. So there is no hydrocarbon exploitation. We don't mine for anything. We don't dredge for any resources like we do around the UK. And the ecosystems there, so the animals and the fauna, are protected under the Antarctic Treaty as well. I think as a, a natural laboratory, Antarctica should be preserved as that. It's a very fragile environment and I think if we start exploiting it too much then we'll lose that and it won't it won't return. Well, thank you very much Alistair. This must be so weird down there. What does a hydrothermal vent look like? Um, well Alistair described it to me as a termite's nest that spouts black smoke like a chimney. And he said that the stuff comes out of the vent at 380 degrees that's way above boiling point wouldn't a crab or anything just cook at that temperature it would Um, the temperature at the source of the vent is 380 degrees as you say but the vent shoots into very cold water and the temperature falls away with distance so he said he's seen crabs foolishly wave their arm over a vent and then quickly pull it away ouch one cooked arm yep yep but the crab has still got seven uncooked ones that's pretty much all for today's show Scientists at Work is made by the Science Show team on Community Radio, Cambridge 105. You can also find past episodes on the website, www.cambridge105.fm. You can also subscribe to future podcasts with the iTunes store. You can get in touch with us on the email science at cambridge105.fm or on Twitter at 105science. Till next time, it's bye from the Science Show team of Roger Frost and Nicola Terry. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105.